Well, it is Transfiguration Sunday on the uh, Christian calendar, and uh, we're looking at Matthew's account of this amazing event, although Mark and Luke also uh, recorded it. The Transfiguration marks a major turning point in the Lord's uh, first advent. Up until now, he has been gaining favor with so many people as he went about his ministry. But from here, it, it all goes downhill, both literally and figuratively, at least from the human point of view. At the Transfiguration, we get a little glimpse of his future glory before he turns his face toward Jerusalem and the suffering and death that await him there. The Transfiguration is the high point of the epiphany of our Lord, the season that ends uh, with this Sunday, if you uh, read the lectionary. And so it is fitting that this high point, I think, takes place on a high mountain. It was probably Mount Hermon, although we are not told, uh, but Mount Hermon was close to Caesarea Philippi, and it was there in Matthew 16, just the previous chapter, that Father God revealed to Peter that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter's confession of faith, our confession of faith, that faith that Jesus is indeed the Son of the living God is the rock upon which Jesus builds his church. And immediately after Peter's confession, Jesus began to teach the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised from the dead. Again and again, Jesus taught the gospel in advance of the cross, but it seems that the disciples had a very difficult time understanding it. Jesus told the disciples then, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I think it is uh, uh, obviously from our 2020 hindsight, <laughs> it all makes perfect sense. But if you try to put yourself in the place of the disciples, I can only imagine that they uh, had a lot of questions. And I think that uh, they were generally a little bit afraid to ask them. I'm always thankful for Peter, aren't you, who just speaks up and asks the questions that we would probably ask. Uh, if we were there. But the Lord started telling them about what was coming, about his suffering and his death and his resurrection, about how if they were to follow him, they also had to take up their cross. I know that that means uh, a lot of things to us these days, but back then it meant exactly one thing. It meant you were going to be crucified. We talked glibly about having our crosses to bear. Uh, and yet what Jesus meant was very plain. Unless you die to self, you cannot live in him. And then the Lord said something very confusing, I think, from their point of view. He said that 
there are some standing here who will not see death or taste death before seeing the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And now I think uh, they must have really been confused, don't you? He just got done saying that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer and be killed and raised from the dead, but some of you are going to see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And he selected Peter and James and John as witnesses. And they climbed this mountain about a week later. And at the transfiguration, God confirmed that Jesus is the Christ. I'm sure that they were very relieved. Peter was so excited, as usual, he didn't know what to do. Lord, uh, maybe it's time. Uh, let me build you a shelter and uh, for Moses and Elijah. And he thought it was time for the Feast of Tabernacles, you see. Not the feast on the calendar, but the time when God would dwell with man in the kingdom. God confirmed that Jesus is the Christ. Years later, John would write, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I like the uh, lectionary because it helps us to follow the bold strokes, especially in the Gospels. And each year, as I'm sure you know, the calendar begins with Advent, as we anticipate the Lord's arrival as a child in Bethlehem. At Christmas, we celebrate the Word of God made flesh. Then comes Epiphany, where we learn who Jesus is. What child is this? And Epiphany climaxes with the Transfiguration. And I think that it's only then, when God reveals to us that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that we can appreciate the season of Lent as we walk with Jesus on his journey to the cross, descending from the mountaintop of glory, if you will, down into the valley of shame and despair. And finally comes Holy Week and then Easter, where faith becomes sight as the Lord turns the apparent defeat of death on the cross into glorious victory, victory of life for all who receive him. And then the rest of the lectionary year is devoted to the epistles where we learn what it all means. And then it starts over again with Advent. I like to put these things into uh, that perspective. I think it helps to understand the, the, the turning point that the transfiguration is. And so with that, let's take a quick look at the transfiguration itself. Matthew 17, 2 said, And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. Some 60 years later, John saw the Lord in his glory again when he was given the revelation, and he wrote in Revelation 1, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, 
clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like white wool like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. On the mountain, at the sight of King Jesus and the sound of God's voice from heaven, Peter, James, and John fell on their faces and were terrified. And in the Revelation, John writes, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. On the mountain, the Lord reached out and touched them and said, Rise and have no fear. And in the Revelation, he laid his right hand on John and he said, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I read these things, my friends, and sometimes I fear that we just go through the motions. But it should not be so. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us and we need to recapture the wonder of having a life-changing relationship with Holy God. Spiritually speaking, we should fall on our faces every morning when we wake up in His presence. On the mountain in Matthew 17, 5, it says, Behold, a, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. And I think at that point, Peter, James, and John were certainly ready to listen and to obey. And like them, I think we need to see the Lord. We need to hear the Holy Spirit and the Father testify that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to be changed by the encounter. And then we need to obey Jesus, who is our Lord and our God and our coming King. I think it is very interesting to consider the words in these passages and to understand that we are not mere spectators to the miraculous transfiguration of Jesus Christ. We are participants. And it really comes home when you learn that the word transfigured is from the Greek word metamorpho, from which we get our word metamorphosis. So completely was Jesus changed in form on the mountaintop. And we too must change. In Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, Paul wrote, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters actually, it's Adelphi in the Greek, which means uh, in the Christian context, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Be transformed. 
My friends, that word transformed is from the exact same Greek word for metamorphosis. We are to be transformed, transfigured in our encounter with God as we surrender our all to Him like living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. You know, in the context of Judaism, they knew a lot about sacrifices, but the sacrifices were always dead. And if you think about it, the animals that were being sacrificed certainly had no say in their fate. But we do. We have to give ourselves willing, living sacrifices to God. In that context, I'm always reminded of a young Mary who was told by the angel that she was going to bear God's son, and she said, let it be done to me as God wills. That's living sacrifice, isn't it? Sacrifice in faith. When we surrender, there is a, a, a once-for-all aspect to this. We are uh, metamorphosized, if you will. Uh, God changes us from caterpillars to butterflies. Some of us, the change is much bigger than that. <laughs> but there is a once-for-all change, isn't there? And that is that at the very moment that we encounter the living Christ at the cross and surrender our will to His, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Once for all time, we are made new creations. We are justified by God. We are born again. We are transformed from death into life. We who were dead in trespasses and sins are made alive in Christ. Oh, glorious day. And yet this metamorphosis, this transformation, this renewal of our minds is an ongoing process as well isn't it? You see, once God changes us, justifies us, and the Holy Spirit seals us and indwells us, we are able to join in this transformation process. We are able to work out in our lives what God is working in us. And as we share in the cross of Christ, in the suffering of Christ, we become 2 Corinthians 3.3, 3, letters from Christ. Listen, we become letters from Christ, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. We become love letters that Christ sends to the world, that we may proclaim the good news in turn. You see, we're changed not only for our own sake. I think a, a lot of Christians, uh, especially those these days who get caught up in the health and prosperity movements that are so uh, prevalent, a lot of Christians think that God saved them just so that they could have an easy life or a prosperous life or good health or material wealth. But it is not so. God does change us. God does provide for us. And He is generous. Make no mistake. But He 
leaves us here after he changes us so that we can be living sacrifices, letters written from Christ to the lost world. When you hear that not letters written in stone, you of course picture the Ten Commandments, don't you? And the finger of God writing on stone. I'm also reminded of Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. Uh, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. And the finger, once again, wrote on the wall, didn't it? The finger of God. But here we're not talking about writing on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. And Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians to talk about that difference, the difference between the Old Covenant and the New. You see, the Old Covenant law cannot save you. It was never designed to save anyone, no matter how religiously you follow it. The law, Paul teaches, brings death. Why? Because we can't keep it. But the Spirit brings life. To the Old Covenant Hebrews, the beauty, the glory, the power of Christ is veiled. Do you remember how every time Moses met with God, his face would start to shine and he covered his face with a veil. Listen, not because he didn't want people to see God's glory, but because as soon as he left God, that glory began to fade and he didn't want them to see that. So to the Old Testament Hebrews, the glory of Christ was veiled. 2 Corinthians 3.15 says, Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And Paul says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all, we in the church, we in the body of Christ, we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, there's our word again, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We are being transformed, transfigured, metamorphosized into the very image of Christ. Can you imagine? It's what the Bible says. As Christ was transfigured from one degree of glory to another on the mountain, so we who are in Christ are being transformed into His image. And as we behold His glory, as we take in His glory, as we fall into His glory, we become more and more like Him. And it starts with that once-for-all transformation. So you see, Christianity is not a religion per se. A lost person does not become a Christian by following a set of rules, not even by following Christ, Judas Iscariot, for example. Rather, God creates Christians. At the cross, God transforms the repentant sinner into a saint. He changes us entirely. We are born again. We are made new. We are not caterpillars trying against our nature to fly. 
God changes us into butterflies so that we can't help but fly. Before our metamorphosis, we were just natural people. We were of the flesh, or in King James English, we were carnal. We were, Ephesians 2, dead, spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, but God. You know, someday you should uh, get a concordance and find all of the but gods in the Bible because it always follows something awful. We're doomed, but God. Mm. We were dead in trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That free gift, <clears throat> God's love, that kiss freely given. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> Before they climbed the mountain, Jesus said in Matthew 16, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you find that a difficult passage? I used to until I learned that their word transfigured meant metamorphosis. See, we have to die to self before we can live for Christ. We must take up our cross and die with Christ. But it's like this. We're like caterpillars going into the cocoon. That's how we go into the grave with Jesus. And then God raises us up with Christ. And we emerge from our spiritual death into newness of life like butterflies. We are transfigured. And Jesus is our forerunner. He opens the way. All we have to do is set aside our pride and step through. The Lord said, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Listen. The person who refuses to give up his or her old self cannot become a new creation in Christ any more than a caterpillar that refuses to enter the cocoon can become a butterfly. Why do we cling to what has no permanent eternal value? Here is wisdom. You can write this down. This is Johnology right here. Here's wisdom. Caterpillars can't fly. That's right. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us a glimpse of your Son's glory on that mountain. We thank you for showing us that he is indeed the Christ, the Son of the living God. We thank you, Father, for showing us who he is so that we can know him so that we can surrender to him, so that we can appreciate what Jesus did for us at the cross, and so that we can have life. 
Father, we are so very grateful that all who receive Jesus Christ are transformed into new creations, that we are no longer caterpillars but butterflies. Father, we are so very, very grateful. And I just pray that your continued transformation in each of us, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen.